Today's sponsor is Round the World Schedulers. Did you miss an important appointment? Do you need to reschedule your game? Did your almost girlfriend die in a tragic missile-induced earthquake? No. Do you need to get some whales for your cetaceous ops? Here at Round the World Schedulers, we can turn back time to get you just what you need. Never be late again. Ask for Round the World Schedulers. Round the World Schedulers are not responsible for any paradoxes relating to the use of their services. This is the Misdirected Mark Podcast. A podcast about gaming, game mastering, and entertaining you, our listeners. We are explicit that you have been warned, and I'd like to thank Mike Willard for letting us use his music on our show. Now let's pick up those mics and get on with this thing. Welcome to the 490th episode of the Start to Mark Podcast. Tonight we're going to discuss the doldrums in your tabletop role-playing games. But first, my name is Jerry. My name is Phil. I'm Chris. And I am Old Man Logan. Welcome once again to the Misdirected Mark Podcast. We just had a spirited discussion in our uh, short, but which let's get... Uh, we'll hear later. Which you will hear, during, hear the, uh, during the break mm-hmm. while we're on uh, mini vacation during the holiday area. All right, so let's do the uh, temperature check. <laughs> we're going to have one of those nights again, aren't we? What is holiday area? Is, is you know, the holiday like a, area of the calendar. The you know, hol- that's, okay, okay. That's show the, me on the calendar. Show me on the calendar. Where show the me on the calendar where the holiday areas hurt you. Anyhow, let's do the temperature check. Jerry, how are you feeling today? Good. I'm awake. I'm here. Having a good time. Stuff the turkey. How many other euphemisms can we make for the holiday times? <laughs> how are you feeling, Bill? Costume up. <laughs> My brain is melty. Uh, I was just in a two-day training class. All day, like two full day training classes, and uh, my head is packed full of ITIL stuff. Participate so, in Wham's giving. Yeah, it was a lot. Otherwise, physically, I don't know. I got like a knee thing going. It's not causing me any serious pain, but I just got to be like a little careful, one like walking around my place kind of thing. I'm old. Like it happens. Yep. Brain melty. Moving on. Chris, how you doing? Celebrating New Year. No, that's letting the ball drop. Letting the ball drop? Okay, I mean, if you're cool. picking the sexy yeah, versions yeah. of holidays. Oh, is that what we're doing? We're picking, yeah. picking the sexy work? Yeah. Setting off the fireworks? I mean, that's like 4th of July. One day, sometime in the future, we are going to do a quick, tight temperature check, but it will not be this day. No. <laughs> Bill's one, that was a mood enhancement. Mm, just a, one. Just one. That's fine. They needed to do that. Read a bunch of manga, that was a mood enhancer. Uh... Wait, wait, are you doing one thing? Or are you just... How are you feeling? How are you I feeling, am, Chris? I, I'm talking about the mood enhancers. I'm doing the ups, downs, okay? Like, ups and downs of my of my week, right? Like, That's right. We're never going to get through one of these. Oh, okay. I don't know. I'm fine. Move on. The Bob. <laughs> I'm doing great. <laughs> you want to say anything else? <laughs> no. <laughs> so we're all good. I guess. We're all fine here. How are you? Get the workshop up. Yeah, boring conversation anyway. Workshop, workshop. It's the doldrums. You want to be excited about it, but you just can't muster it up. We're going to talk about it here in the workshop. And probably suck. (laughs) I will tell you that no matter how good people are at scheduling their games, there are just times when life intrudes. It's nothing new, and that means we miss a game here and there. But I have to ask... What happens when a few missed games go back to back and it's been weeks or even a month since you got the game? You start feeling that blah, kind of drained, and this apathy sets in along with the fear that you're just never going to game again. That's the doldrums. And tonight we'll be talking about the doldrums, the effect they can have on us, and ways we can fight those feelings. And of course, in order to have that discussion, we need to go over a few terms with our definition panda. Oh, damn it, who moved the button? Behold! 
the button moves, you just follow it. Yes. Like, you just gotta learn how to, like, hone in on that thing, I right? swear, <laughs> this freaking thing, the definition used to be just in a different spot. Just do it, I do. Tie it down. <laughs> <laughs> the doldrums, folks! <sighs> Name comes from the nautical community for an equatorial region of the Atlantic Ocean with calms, sudden storms, and light, unpredictable winds. Where sometimes ships just grind to a halt, trapped, and waiting for a change of wind to push them back out. Today, it becomes synonymous with a state or period of inactivity or stagnation. In tabletop RPGs, the doldrum is that period of inactivity when you are not playing games. And we're not talking about the downtime between sessions. That's like the stuff that you've built into your campaign. You know, like, you, you know, you're playing every other week. You're not having the doldrums on the week you're not playing. I mean, maybe you are. That's not our point. What we're talking about is the case when you play every other week and you get to the next session and somebody got COVID. And then the next one, there's a family thing. On and on and on. And you just, now all of a sudden it's been six, eight weeks. You haven't gotten a game off the, like, off the table. And you're just kind of, blah. Just getting that, that stagnation, that inactivity is creeping in. And you're just not feeling great about games. So, Phil, is this the same as Burnout? Uh, I don't think so. With Burnout, you are, like, running hot, and then you just, like, don't care, right? Like, you're too busy or too stressed. Like, you burn out. Often you burn out because you're doing too much. The doldrum's, like, the opposite of that. You're not doing anything. So you just, you want to, but you're not. Oh, yeah. Yeah, if that isn't, if that wasn't clear, the thing with the doldrum is... No, it's it's, clear. Yeah. I'm just just sending you with softballs. No, no, thanks. Let me... Yeah, thanks. (laughs) Let me take... Um, but the thing is, with the doldrums, you want a game. Yep. You just, things have conspired so that you can't game. That's the thing you really want to do. And that's the problem is like, you're really excited because you want a game and then you can't. As opposed to when you burn out, you're like, holy fuck, if I have to run this game with everything else going on or this group or whatever, and you're just burned, like, fuck it, I don't even want to run this game anymore kind of thing. The doldrums, the opposite. Given the chance... You would run this game. So, so what are the other states of existence that, that for, for games? Like there's, sure, sure. There's doldrums, there's burnout. What else is there in the world? Is there oh, anything else? I, I, think, I think there's a gone numb. Gone numb? Like you're just, you're not excited about it anymore? Sure. Or, it's sure. not even not excited about it. It's just like, eh, we're playing. Okay. There's a localized version of it where there's the, I'm totally fine when I get to the table, mm-hmm. but in between games, like, I don't even, like, I'm not even thinking about it. And that doesn't happen to me. Because I'm the GM and I have to prep stuff. I know as a player sometimes, I'll be like, yeah, this game's great. And I'll have a lot of fun while playing it. But I'm like, once it's done, I'm like, yeah, I'm off to do some other stuff. And, you know, when it comes up in the calendar, I'm like, oh, cool. It's, it's game night. Like, let's get back to playing. That's um, honestly me most of the time. That's me right now because I have so much other stuff going on. Yeah. But, I mean, there are other players who are, like, excited yep. beyond, like, you know, and do stuff beyond it. So the numb one, I think it's terrible if you're a GM and you've gone numb to a game. That game's probably on a death spiral. When the GM goes numb, it it becomes super hard because the GM can punch out. Like, players can punch out individually, but the GM can just punch the whole game out and just be like, I'm not feeling this. So what is the version of this then for anybody? answer when you're like yes i'm excited about playing this game but man it's at a terrible time and i wish it wasn't there because that's me every sunday night Mm. i play that game because it's great (laughs) not because i want to (laughs) on sunday night so not because you want to play it on sunday night i play the game just not on sunday so interestingly as it would go in the case of ox we could just have that discussion no i mean we could but But i mean not gonna mess with anybody's schedule i know how busy everybody is it's more inconvenient than undoable 
okay, but we can have that talk because yeah. everybody in that group is here, yeah. and none of us have like serious Sunday commitments anymore. Could move that game earlier. Just say. In that case, the good feelings from the game mm-hmm. outweighs the inconvenience um, of, inconvenience the, game. of that could be a case the timing, of, uh, location, riding the wave. Yeah, just riding the wave. Yeah, I don't know if it has You're a letting name. Letting the momentum carry you. I don't know if it has a name, but it definitely, in terms of emotional return on investment, mm-hmm. your ERI is high enough that the environmental factors of the game aren't as big of a deal. True. And sometimes that's all you need for a game. Sometimes that ERI is like. I just want to play a game with X. We as long as X is at the table, I'm in. We're getting so much mileage out of that ear. <laughs> so yeah. You, you thought that, you know, people think sometimes I hit those, you know, like some weird, some, you know, weird shots out into left field, but I'm on it. <laughs> I know some shit. So burnout, right? Sum them up. Doldrums, you want to play, but you're kind of feeling low because you're not playing. Burnout, you don't want to play. In fact, if given the option not to play, you won't. You will you, take. You will it. take it. Like yeah. the first person who's like, "Oh, I got sniffles." You're like, "Well, we should cancel the game." That's the burnout player. Like yeah, that's yeah. the person yeah. who's like, "Oh, Bob, you got you know." Bob's like, "No, no, I think it might just be allergies." Well, we can't be sure, so probably should just for safety's sake cancel <laughs> the whole game. So, are we good with this part of the discussion? And should we move on to pitfall? Or does somebody got something else in that can that can slide here? Go well, once. Bob, Bob's had indifference. Yeah, there's indifference. Minor and greater. Minor and greater indifference. Yeah. Now they're playing Savage Worlds. There's spells in yeah. the minor and yeah. greater indifference. Is, is frustration the same as indifference? As, as, as uh, frustration's a Frustration's thing. a good one, yeah. yeah. Frustration can get you to burn out. Yeah. When you're playing the game, but playing the game is, is frustrating you because you're not doing the thing you wanted to do in the game. So, so real quick, are we talking from the GM side of things or the player right. side of things? Either way. I mean, players. right now, because we might be talking about the player side of things later. That's why I'm asking. Oh, okay. I, think, I think it can happen from a GM. I think a GM can yeah. be frustrated. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I have been frustrated... I was actually frustrated with the Archmage's Legacy game for a little while because I'm like, I thought we were playing this tactically, when we were fighting, it was going to be tactically sound and like difficult, like and I could bring some, some A game. And I very quickly, after three sessions, realized I got to stop. And it was frustration, at first with the players, that was frustration with myself. Because I'm like, I expected the wrong thing. And then I fixed it. So then it wasn't frustrating anymore. It was yeah. just fun. Yeah, and I do think, I mean, frustration is that case where your ERI is dropping. You're getting something out of the game, mm-hmm. but not as much as you were hoping for yeah. some reason. Something's yeah. out of alignment. You just mindset change can really fix some of that stuff. In right. case you're wondering, Frust- I, I don't know if that's the thing we talked about with ERI. Like, what do you do when you're frustrated with your game and your ERI is dropping? You can just, if you just take a moment and be like, "All right, analyze, self-reflect," and then just shift your your thought process mm-hmm. and be like, "What else can I get out of this game? What do I want to get out of this game?" And then you can, and what are the players getting out of it? And mm-hmm. then you can make a, a how, different choice. How important yeah. is this facet of the game compared to? The rest of the game, right? Correct. Like the story is more important than getting to do some hard tactical. It, it doesn't mean that I can't have that stuff. I just have to tone it down a little. Yeah, you can't go yeah. full chess master, which is some of the stuff that I was doing. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, no, that's good. We should talk about that for the spell as well. No, I'm not going to do that to you guys. Okay, we should fine. talk about that for GM story because the thing about the chess master thing, and this is not on Chris's. Because remember, when you're the GM, you have all the balls in your court, so being the chess master is a lot easier than when you're the player. Yeah, but I think what Chris was no, looking... No, no, I'm just saying that's a discussion for another time. Sure, sure. We should put a pin in that for some further time. We should move on. Yeah. I'm very aware of that. Well, I know you are. Yeah. Everybody out there in listener land. Well, I know you are. That's <laughs> yeah. why you adjusted for it. I was going to say, I, I kind of know yeah. what experience Chris was trying to have, but 
Anyway. So we should jump into the pitfalls. Yeah, let's do it. Ooh. Don't jump into the pitfalls. Let's just talk about pitfalls. We can swing over them. Do yeah. Swing over it. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Good job, Jerry, with the alligator hands. Uh, listen, if you understand that joke, <laughs> you're old. Get your shingles, get your shingles back, Steve. Yes. First game I had for Atari. <laughs> All right, so what is the problem with the doldrums? Uh, is it just that we're not getting a chance to play? Not really, because there's a couple issues involved. The first is that you're going to have a loss of energy or a lack of energy because you're not playing. Remember the topic we had about emotional return on investment? Yep, yep. Well, the doldrum's going to mess with that cycle. We don't play for a while, we don't get the ERI that we want, and this is going to lead to the excitement of the game waning, or you might just lose interest in the game itself because you're not getting that ERI back. Um, this is also going to lead to some people losing interest in the game itself. This is worse what if the GM loses interest, but if your players start to lose interest, they're not going to have as much fun as well, and that's going to just kind of fulfill that doldrum more and more. This can be worse, again, if the game is in the early stage, and so all the things that will make the game exciting for players later on hasn't jumped in yet, and so not everybody's emotionally invested. Oh my god, will I make sure that we just play games for like the first at least four sessions. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, like for right now, like if Ox hit a couple of weeks of non-playing, I would be a little sad, not worried. Yeah. But like when a new game, yeah. if like session three, you miss session three, like Chris said, like I will move heaven and earth to not miss the first four sessions of a game because for just this reason. Dude, the it, art- it, it takes me four to ten games to get emotionally invested in the game. We're going to talk about how to make that faster at some point in yeah. time. Like mm. that is like ready to play, ready to play characters, getting excited. Yeah, ready yeah, to play. It's another pin. We yeah. have a hook episode we could revisit. We do. And not Old. just hook, but it's not just about hook. It's about like making it that, that you come and you want to play this game because you know who your character is. You know mm-hmm. what's all, what it's all about. Yeah. I mean, session zero has been so important for that, but that new ding do. Yeah. Try it so hard. What? I, we're all trying yeah. so yeah. hard to stay on top. Yeah, that's fine. And thinking about it from the player side as well as the GM side, I think I think a lot of the stuff that we just mentioned from the GM side still applies to the players. Mm-hmm. Your ERI, again, we're going to hammer that home. If you're not getting that, your interest goes down, the frustration level. So it does happen on the player side too. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Like I know, because again, I GM so much more than I play that like I know what it feels like when I'm a GM and like I've hit... and. You know, this article was obviously inspired by a point in the summer when we didn't play for like eight, like I think it was like a month and a half or something. Mm-hmm. And I totally, yeah. I, and I wasn't playing either of my games. Yeah. Right. And it was like totally like just, but so it happens from the player side. Yeah. Good and it's know. also, it's going to, it's going to vary depending on the type of player that you've got too. As we mentioned before, some players, they're excited about playing the game when they're at the table, when that session's over and the intervening week or two weeks they don't think about the game at all, and then it's like, oh, time for that game again, and they get down and they're excited about the game and they're ready to go. Mm-hmm. For that player, the doldrums might not hit as hard because they're not as focused on the game in those between moments as other people are. If you've got somebody that's excited about it that whole time, and they get to that, oh, now the game's not going off. Now that next intervening week or two weeks, they're like a little less excited. They're like, oh, we haven't played in a while. I, don't know. I, I can think of a player from our past who was very much the player who the doldrums would hit very hard. Yeah. Very hard. Like, they were playing the game constantly. Yep. But at the table and away from the table. And so, yes. I feel like you need things to do away from the table if you want to play the game away from the table. It's hard for me to play, to engage yeah. with the game away from the table. There's not something to do away from Agreed. the table. That's our metagame. Yeah. That's our old metagame yep. topic. Well, then, which could come back well, again. Well, 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 then play Pathfinder. You'll have two weeks to put your character back together. No. Again. <laughs> that's Special. not fun. That, to me, that's not fun. I know. And some players just naturally manufacture stuff out of their own head mm-hmm. to keep them going mm-hmm. in between sessions, and they run with it. 
So we're going to talk a little bit later on about things you can do to ride that out. There you go. So let's talk about another issue, and it's related to the whole lack of energy thing, and that's the new shiny. Oh no, not the new shiny. Shiny. Mm-hmm. I'm referencing a different game. Typically a game that you've never played that captures your attention. And thinking about it gives you some positive emotional energy. It's like, woo! Yeah, and I think, you know, it's funny. I I was thinking about this. Like, why why does the new shiny give you positive energy? Like, like you're not playing the game. But it's a solo activity that GMs, and now players get to do it too. But, like, when you're a GM and it's time to kick off a new game, you have to sit and read the rules. That's true. If the players read the rules, like, that's nice. Mm -hmm. But... I don't honestly, for most of the games I run, expect that my players have read the rules. Like, I wind up being the person who reads the rules and then, like, winds up teaching everybody. I read rules. No, I know. You're mm-hmm. But you get my point. I'm a weirdo. No, you're... No. But the thing is that, as a GM, I do get excited when I sit and read a new rule system because the game is potential, right? I'm reading it. I'm, like, I'm reading it and thinking, like, these are cool stories I would like to tell. These are cool situations I would like to craft in a game that kind of the oh these are rules i would love to engage right and you can get really excited Mm -hmm. from an activity that doesn't involve anyone else just involves a new rule book you've never handled before you can get the shiny feeling from an Mm -hmm. existing rule book but you get a lot from a new rule book it's dangerous there was a moment that phil remembers quite well when a whole bunch of us back in the day Got the new shiny excitement when they said the third edition D&D rulebook was coming out. Another card? That's the second one. Yeah. And I was reading uh, excerpts from the game that were coming out. uh, uh, They were coming out in Dragon, weren't they? Watson did a good job of marketing that. They did a real nice job. And then we we literally, as we mentioned before, we road tripped to a con to see the book under glass and reach through the little holes and pick up that thing with our grubby little hands and flip through it. Totally. And we were so excited. The good thing about it was that it didn't derail our current campaign because we couldn't put our hands on it. Yes. Right? The dangerous part of the new Shiny is that, especially during the doldrums, you're not playing your current game. You pick up this game you've got sitting on the table. You start reading it. And now you're like, I like this game more than I like that game which we're not playing right now yeah and then when the doldrums clear you're like oh yeah i gotta put shiny down and go pick up the other game it is so easy for you to fire a couple of torpedoes into that other game and be like oh boom we just sank that yeah like we haven't played in a while hey look what i got i think that's why it depends on how often you're playing certain games because if you're doing something every other week and you miss a week now it's a month. Yeah. Yep. And that's different than... Um, Weekly. Yeah, traditionally, until... Pretty much until I got with you guys, I was running games and playing games weekly. So we didn't have a lot of time for the Dolphins. Don't be so hard on yourself. What? You were running games weekly. I mean, you know, I mean... Some of my games weren't being run weekly, I'll tell you. There, was, there were some bad games. But seriously, the, you, when you do that, when you play those games shit. every week, it does end up giving you a little bit of a, of a, of a relapse from the because you've only yeah. got another week before things yeah. come back. Yep. It's less likely the new shiny's going to get its foothold in there as easily as if you miss a game and all of a sudden now you've got three weeks without gaming. My weekly game with Senda mm-hmm. handles schedule interruptions mm-hmm. with ease. This past week, I was kind of wrecked from um, doing a bunch of family stuff. Like mm-hmm. I was tired, physically hurt because I was sitting at a football game all weekend mm-hmm. or all day. And uh, we just didn't play. No problem. Mm-hmm. Play again this, like we'll play again this Saturday. Mm-hmm. You know, piece of cake. Um, so yeah, I had all good points. And so yes, interval is it. So you, you mentioned it, right? If you play weekly, 
your doldrums, it's harder to get your it's harder for your doldrums to take effect. If you play bi-weekly, it's a little better. But if then if you're playing like one of those once a month, mm-hmm. or if you're like um what is it? It didn't Brett didn't Brett do like a quarterly game or something? Yeah. Like, yeah. like once a quarter would go up and like meet like his, you know, North Country folks and mm-hmm. play. If that they game would... gets scrubbed. Yeah, they play all weekend though. Yeah. Sure, but I mean like weekend. like they play like either all day or they play like yeah. two days. Right, but if know. that game gets scrubbed and yeah. you can't like, and you can't get yeah, you the, like, wait a whole other quarter before you get oh, back to it. Oh, like that's you know. So we're in the forest, right? No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a yeah. little bit too. Recaps, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about riding them out. I think that's the next thing. Mm-hmm. So the doldrums are not directly fixable since they arise from outside forces acting to prevent us from getting to the table. That's that's what they do. If you're lucky, you can try and reschedule your game. You know, but it's not always an option. So instead of fighting with scheduling, you should you should probably talk about how to ride these things out. So what are some things that you guys do to get through it, huh, Jerry? Uh, I'll start with find some media with a similar feel. If you're playing a cyberpunk game, read a cyberpunk book, watch a cyberpunk TV show. If you're doing something that, you know, is fantasy-based, maybe find a video game to play or something on that line. I also like to fiddle with the accessories. Look at your character sheet. Uh, look up all the spells that you're going to be doing. If you're a GM... Go back over to the next session. Get some maps together. That sort of thing. Do something to interact with the game system itself. I've got more, but I'll wait somebody else set the talks. Go ahead. Bob? When I looked at the notes, I wrote down that I don't really have a set list of things, and it depends on the situation and what's going on in my life mm-hmm. during the course of that. You know, like if it's the middle of the pandemic and I'm depressed about the state of the world and all this <laughs> other stuff, I maybe just don't even address it. You know, I just I just sit there and I stew in the doldrums. Like, you know, oh. like, like, what does that, that taste like? It, oh, it does not taste good. Know. It does yeah, not taste good. I'm regretting that I asked this question. Is, is it better or worse than gnome stew, is the question. Oh, it's, nothing's, it's nothing's worse better than, or nothing's better than, than gnome, gnome, stew. gnome stew. I mean, gnome Yum. stew. Mwah. But over the course of the years, I have done things like um, it, we've had some games where I was super invested in the character's story. And so I would write some fiction about go. the character. I've done that before. There were games that were super mechanical where I looked at planning out, like, hmm, what do I want to take when I get to the next feet bump? It was 3E, you know, like, what kind of feet tree mm-hmm. do I have to dance my way through? Iron Heroes, you had long feet trees that, you know, if I want to get to this, I got to start early so that I can get through all of their, the different uh, steps of that feet tree yeah, before you can get to the ah, good piece. fun of 90s and early 2000s. Yeah, this is a lot of stuff like that. Um, another thing that I did... Give the kept players busy. Yeah, um, and this this technically wasn't really during the doldrums, but I can see myself going back and refining something like this, and that is making character generators in, like, Excel or whatever. Mm. I've done that for a couple of different oh, yeah. games where I've sat and I've just <clears throat> buried myself in Excel and VBA to make myself a character generator to handle all of the aspects of character creation and, and advancement. So those are the kind of things that, that I would do in those situations. What about you, Phil? So one of the things I like to do is work on my GMing setup. Uh, and that can be anything from, like, I'll just take apart my GMing kit and just kind of scrutinize, like, are all these are these all need to be here? Are there some things I should be putting in here? Yeah, have I used this yeah. very much? Maybe I can trim this. Exactly. Or, oh, you know, I always use this thing. I don't know why I don't just, in, like, get it into the, you know, into my case. Uh, I might do some other gaming, like some video gaming, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes just gaming gives a little itch. Like, especially when, like, when we were doing server-based Minecraft. Then I was at least socializing through gaming, mm-hmm. which, you know, is, is part of one of the reasons I like the game. I will say one of the things, it's not on my list originally, but as we were talking about it, one of the things I do not do during this time is look at other games. <laughs> like, I purposely don't walk over to the shelf and be like, 
hmm, what's on the shelf here? And start, like, no temptations. Yes, like, that's, that's like dangling the that's, new shiny in front of your face and being, hey. I've had new shiny problems in the past. I've gotten it under somewhat control, but one of the easy ways to avoid it, as Mr. Miyagi says, right? Like, best, Focus, best not be there. The best way to avoid tree and not be there. Yeah, so I definitely sometimes just ditch that kind of stuff. And then anything I can do to kind of nerd up about the game that I'm currently running, right? So if there's articles, if there's YouTube videos, whatever, like, those things make Steal me... my thunder. I'm sorry, you had the same thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then let me pass it right over to you, because it then yeah. dovetail right over, right? Mm-hmm. So that's one of those things you can do, right? Is... Yeah, I mean, I, I watch and listen to YouTube videos about jamming or gaming. Mm-hmm. Like I, so it's a thing that I enjoy doing, very much so. I will engage with me outside of the genre and tone of the game, so not just like oh, reading, mm-hmm. watching stuff there, because if you go outside of it, you can start getting ideas mm-hmm. to bring into the game. I do that all the time, that's when you start getting... Because most stories are kind of the same, so they have a lot of similar beats, even if you, like, slide some things in there from other things. You can often find even in whatever game that you're playing, stuff from outside that you can just bring in that actually makes a lot sure, of sense. Sure, if you've got something adjacent, too. Like, mm-hmm. if, you, if you're playing a cyberpunk game, and, like, you're reading some steampunk, you might find something Look, interesting in steampunk that, like, hey... It's not just that. Like, I will... I love yeah. rom-coms. I yeah. watch tons of them, and that means those are relationship-based mm-hmm. stories, and you can just slide... A lot of times, relationship-based stuff, even without the comedy part, like, the yep. the relationship part is still there, and it can help you do that relationship Chris stuff. likes telling stories. I once I once got inspiration for a Star Wars campaign from watching Gone with the Wind. That makes sense. There you go. I mean, it's essentially a love story inside of a of a war, mm-hmm. yep. and with a war as a backdrop, well, before, during, and after. I also like to have a backup game or one-shots. That's a that's a big one. Yep. Smart yeah. So, like, when a couple of people can't show up and we have to cancel, I don't cancel. I, har- I hardly ever cancel anymore. Mm-hmm. I do it for Archmage's Legacy games sometimes, more often than not. I don't actually have, a like, the backup game for, for, for you guys. I probably should come up with some sort of backup game or side game. But the other one, the, the Mercenaries of Pyram one that I'm running, it's on the off weeks, I almost always am like, you should all come over and we'll play something else. Mm-hmm. Mostly because those people don't play games all the time, and I definitely don't want to let them... Get into the doldrums. Into the doldrums. You did this. You did that this Friday. We, we couldn't play our trade. Yeah, so we played board games. So we just got together and played board games. That was going to be a part of my other suggestion, which is get together with the people that you can. Yeah. Like, if not everybody can make it, get together with the other people, watch a movie, play board games, uh, have just go out to dinner together and sit and chat. A related, not tangential to the doldrums, and a discussion that we could have as a short table quorum. What is the acceptable number of players who cannot make a game Ding. in order to have the game. And I think there should be some good answers on that. I don't want to answer it, but it goes to this, which is, do you have to cancel a game because, you know, somebody can't make it? Or can you go to what Chris said, which is, hey, Jerry can't make it. Mm-hmm. We don't have quorum mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Cool, let's do a backup game. Right. Because the other answer is, Jerry can't make it, but we have quorum. Hey, we're right. still playing. Yep. Which yep. is the other way to avoid the That's doldrums. That's how you get three years of Dungeon World. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yes. Good ideas about how to combat the doldrums. Let's take a quick break. Babo, tell us about the show on the Mr. Mark Yeah, Network. absolutely. So we've got this uh, this wonderful show called Mastering Dungeons. RPG veterans and game designers Teos Abadia and Sean Merwin look at the game and the hobby of D&D from a variety of viewpoints, reporting the news, understanding the business, reviewing the products, and illuminating the design. Whether you're a fan, a player, a DM, or a designer, Sean and Teos cover topics of interest to you. Most popular show on the net. Yeah. Good times. And they're in the in the, the throes of a series about 5th edition, which uh, has been gaining a lot of uh, Because, you know, they, a lot they, of they play test for 1D&D. Yep. It's going to be the most popular show until Pandas Talk D&D comes out. <laughs> <laughs> and that will be 
<laughs> Just imagine me pitching that one. Hey, send. I got this idea. I think it'll be like we don't play this game. Pandas talk five e. That's gonna be our new show. Look out, folks. <laughs> All right. So, so returning. We know, we know Senda's good at reading. Yeah, <laughs> reading, reading game rules. rules. Oh. It'll just be me. Be like in the rule book. I'll just say whatever I want because yeah. she'll be like, "Okay, <laughs> really? It says that? Wow! I would have never thought that they would have gone there." Pandas, right. pandas are an endangered species. They're going to be more endangered oh, after that yeah. happens. <laughs> right? <laughs> Tell you how to correctly play Five E is what. What the? <laughs> what is going on here? Wow. I'm, so I'm halfway right through the coffee. Yeah. So kicking, returning to our topic, in. yes. What happens if you hit the doldrums and you do lose interest? It's been weeks since your last session. You find yourself not as excited about the game anymore. How do you rekindle the excitement for your game? I, I like to go and read the most recent recap. I mean, that helps me remember the moments of enjoyment from the game. And also, if I'm not excited about the game, even if it's been 28 days since I've last played it, I probably shouldn't be running it anymore. Like, I mean, because That's... 28 days is the is the what happens when you miss a session when you play every other week. Mm -hmm. yep. 28 days later, if 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 I'm a zombie about the game that yep. wants to kill everybody, then we're not playing anymore. Yep. And that's the hard part, right? That's yeah. that early. That's where that banked up ERI kicks in. Sure. Yeah. Not only banked up ERI, but but campaign momentum. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think that's the other thing that that goes along with it. Yeah. Campaign moment. Campaign momentum is absolutely a thing. Yeah. Jerry, how about you? If I'm jamming the game, I like to bring in something exciting for the next session. We have a cool set piece for the next encounter, bring in some interesting NPCs, uh, maybe give some one-shot items that the players can use. That's just something that gets you excited, gets them excited, um, kind of put some, some, some spice back into the relationship. Dude, I like that bribe. Come back. Come back. I have this thing. You want this wand of fireballs that has two charges? I'm waving Come back. this thing in front of you. Yeah, that's right. Like that's phone right. all your characters, give you all these magic items, dump you in this dungeon. <laughs> no, no. Uh, I'm going to no. give you all these weapons, throw you on this planet, let you kill everything that you wanted to kill, and then kill you all. <laughs> what? You knew they were clones? And it was all a dream. Do, 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 do. Yeah. Don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. No, stick moves. no, never yeah, do, do it's it. all a dream. Unless you tell them that's what's going on. Yes. Yeah. Then you could do that. If you're a player, it's going to depend a little bit on the game. But first of all, like, talk to the players through the story. Try to talk to the players between the sessions. Get them excited about the game before the game starts again. Don't just rely on the GM to bring that spire back once you guys get together. If it's been two weeks, talk about, I've got an idea on how we're going to win this next court case, Bob says to us, uh, a week between games. Getting us all fired up about, hey, we've got an idea. It may not work, but we're going to try it. That sort of thing. Getting us involved in those kind of things as players. Spoiler, it, it had nothing to do with how we were going to win that court case. No. 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 <laughs> it was still a good idea. But it was a good idea. It actually happened in your pocket. Yeah. It's I mean, good... It may still come into play. I mean, we're criminals at this point, so we're still doing a good job with it. Uh, at this point. <laughs> You've been a criminal since, like, the first session. Yeah, I don't think you are aware of it. Yeah. <laughs> we're willing criminals now. Yeah. For a cause, though. Who we're defines the word criminal? Phil, yes. what about you? One, I, I will definitely do the thing that you do, right? I will go back and read through, like, my game notes. To answer Bob's question, the government. Okay, continue. <laughs> Recaps, things like that. So that that's a good help. The other one, which I think you all know, and I say you all here at the table know because you've seen me do it before, mm -hmm. I will start to ask people, like, hey, are you still excited about this game? If you ever hear me ask that question, that is because I am questioning my own energy level. So when I'm like, hey, are people still into this game? If you all come back with like an enthusiastic, like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, I know we haven't played, but like, we're all excited to get back to the table. That will jumpstart me to be like, all right, cool. Everything's cool. Like, because then I know I'm like, OK, it's just doldrum. Shake it off. Like, there's nothing yep. wrong with the game. We just got to get back to the table and play. Like, OK, no problem. Great. But if I throw that out there and you guys are like, I don't know, it's all right. At that point, I'm just like, beep, beep. Yep. Beep. beep. <laughs> like it's just, 
exactly. Like, I just, like, if, if, if it comes back, Luke, if I put out the call and it comes back lukewarm, I'm just like, oh boy. So what are you guys interested in? <laughs> I will and, say, if you are coming back to a game and there's even a hint that the doldrums could have hit some of the other people at the table and you've got the energy and the excitement, bring it. Mm-hmm. Okay? Because you may be the piece that lifts the others back up. One hundred percent. Don't sit on it and be yep. like, "I wonder if anybody here is suffering from the doldrums." You know, like, don't wait mm-hmm. for it to come out. Bring it. Mm-hmm. Hit that table and be Absolutely. like, "All right, let's go." We're we're doing the thing with the thing, right? We're, we're, and if you can remind everybody about yep. what's fun about it, like, "Oh, I can't wait till Tam." Like, you know, we get this unresolved, you know, issue about Tam's relationship back to yes. the table. That kind of like. I hope we don't resolve that too quickly. Good. I'm not in a rush to resolve that. <laughs> that could stew a little. No, nah, man, because then I'm just be like, like stretching it out, not answering the question that's been raised for like seven episodes. No, that's good. It's good. <laughs> it's, like, it's become. We need to answer that question. Damn it's it. becoming. It's becoming more sorry, and more. Sorry, everybody. That was a shot at Jerry for a. That's a way out. That was out. That was a pre-show. Yeah. No, no. I. My I, bad, buddy. I'm, I'm a, sorry. On the note, that's not a pre- See, in games, that's a different thing entirely. I don't think it is. Because I've invested in the game more than I. Anyway, so if any of that stuff doesn't work, you can always just talk about stopping the game and picking up something new. Find the new shiny and do that. Mm-hmm. Not all campaigns end with perfect endings, and unfortunately, a lot of them fizzle out. Oh, yeah. Most games right. don't. Right. All right, 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 all right. I need to stop this right here. There's got to be other GMs out there that have a similar approach to me. I do not have what I would call like these games. Sure. I've talked about this for a while. I, mean, I put together game groups to play games. One of the only consistent gamers I had was that once evening game. We talked about it mm-hmm. um, earlier in a short, maybe? I yeah, don't think we talked about the show. But we played for several years with, mm-hmm. with similar people over chunks of it. Yeah. Uh, both of you were in it, Bob mm-hmm. and Jerry. Yeah. So for me, it's not about stopping the game, starting something else. It's about whether the game is over or not. I mean, that is definitely a you thing. And, yeah. and it's not specifically a you thing. It's the way you set up and bring your games. Yeah. So it is different, right? You are bringing a game to players to play, mm-hmm. right? So if your game fizzles out, Project's over. Correct. Right? Shut it down. Start a new project. I would... Recruit new players. Yeah. I, I would say that actually gives my players something else. Incentive. Incentive, right? Like, yeah. like if we're not over. playing this, we're not playing it at all. You know, there's something to that, right? Yeah. There's something, yeah. there's something to that. The thing for me, and it's been true for 20 plus years, probably even longer than 20 plus years, because I think it extend, extends back through high school, is having a game group. I've never been a person who's ever played one game, one campaign, right? Like, I will play many games, many campaigns. The group for me is more important than the game. There is, in my philosophy, right, This is, and this is a me, in my philosophy, there's always another game to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So having the group and a reason to get together and all that stuff, because I am super introverted, right? So mm-hmm. without a strong motivating factor to get together, like a podcast, a game night, or whatever, mm-hmm. my ability to hermit up is pretty strong. Yeah. And yeah. will I get weird if I hermit up for too long? Fuck yes. <laughs> there are lots of players yeah. like that too. I mean, yeah. a lot of the groups that I was in that I ran, if I wasn't running a game, they just didn't associate mm-hmm. with anybody else. Yeah. And it can be especially it's like, uh, 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 cathartic. No, I'm thinking like emphatic. Um, I'm thinking of another word, but I can't get it. But if you have a good game group mm-hmm. that you're comfortable with, there's even more incentive for you to. to to pick a different game mm-hmm. to play with those people to keep that group going yep. rather than being like, all right, well, I'm going to just, I'm going to play this other thing and I'm going to go find other people that want to play this game. Like Chris's philosophy is great for some people. Great for Chris. 
Well, also, I I have this thing right here. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I get to hang out with you guys regardless. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, as a player, if Chris says, I'm going to run game X with this situation whatnot, nine times out of ten, I'm raising my hand going, ooh, yeah. ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> yeah, me too. I know I actually have to I, – I did tamp that down because I've been – on the kick of wanting to run for all different people all the time. So I have like a wide variety of players to like run for mm-hmm. because like that spell jammer game, I know Bob and Jerry wanted to play. I was like, I am unfortunately I'm not, not everybody can play every game. Yeah. I'm not, yep. I'm doing a picking very specific people to play that game. Yeah, But you want to do something with that. And that's, that makes perfect sense yeah. for Bob and yeah. I also, we both understand that. Yeah. 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 Right. And, and philosophically, right. I'm cultivating a social group. Correct. I'm I'm cultivating a social group that plays role playing games. This is yeah. my social group right here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, this is like a you know one of those things that keeps me from being a hermit, yep. mm-hmm. right? Like it makes me go out and put on hard pants, right, and come out and <laughs> and and visit you guys. Yeah. Um, otherwise, I stay home and get weird. So yeah, so I do think right. It it is a different incentive and it is a different approach. Like your game, if it hits the doldrums and can't recover. Is over. Correct. And you have to start, and, and it's also a big investment for you because you have to start over. It's true. Um, I mean, that's kind of what happened to, I'm not sure exactly what caused our Eberron game to, to end, but we were about halfway through a story and we just kind of stopped. shifting out of players and like, I just was like, oh, this story isn't doing what I thought it should be doing anymore. I think I got a, another job at that point. So I'm pretty sure yeah, that yeah, the, yeah. The, the first thing that, that that got in the way was your job. Yeah, yeah. I had a yeah. job where I was working all the time. But so. that game did have a, a ridiculous number of rotating players. Correct. After a yeah. while. Which yeah. is hard yeah. for certain things. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a different story going on at that point. It was higher level D&D, so it wasn't, yeah. like, it didn't feel too weird. Like, it felt fine enough. That's a good point. I'm glad you brought it yeah. up because it is it is a different approach, and because yeah. of that different approach, doldrums have a different effect. Yep. They do, and they have different stakes. Yeah, yeah, because because if I tell players like, oh, you know, I'm not feeling it, everybody's like, that's all right, Phil. Like we can always find something else, and we will, and we do. And yeah. so returning to the table, hopefully, when the doldrums end, you have bolstered yourself enough, ridden out the uh, the doldrums, and are ready to get back to the table and resume your game. But it's actually been some time since this group has met up and played anything. So you have a few challenges when you're getting back to the table. Were you in the middle of a story when your schedules got disrupted? Like, were you like just in the middle, not even at a cliffhanger, but just literally in the middle? It happens. Yeah. Or if you were lucky, maybe you were between stories. That's a really nice, you know, clean break. Sometimes. (laughs) Right. Has the group socialized between sessions? Again, this will be different for Chris's setup, but for my setup, if you haven't socialized between sessions, there's likely that return game is going to involve some socialization. Yeah. It'll get chatty, which happens, right? Yep. Let me just pose this out here as a kind of jump ball discussion topic. Uh, what are some of the things uh, you guys do or need to do coming out of the door? I got you. I got it. I got it. I got the tip ball. I got the tip ball. Okay, okay. cool. The recap and extended recap. So an extended recap is the thing that I started doing so a player asked me for it because they were having a hard time remembering what was going on even between two weeks. I think it works very effectively for when there's even longer gaps. One part of this is who the characters are. Like, mm-hmm. everybody talking about who their characters are. We're having, like, a paragraph that's already written into the, the recap section about who these characters are. Because mm-hmm. then everybody gets to hear who everybody else yep. is. Uh, what they have that's important skill and item-wise, I like to have that in there, too. Like, mm-hmm. if they have any specific magic items that they might have forgotten about. Um, what happened last time, of course. What their current goals are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's important so that they know what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. So, like, this provides a recap, a reintroduction of the characters, and a reminder of objectives. Yep. That's one for me. Yeah, that's solid. I've definitely done that where I've gone around the table, especially if it's earlier game and people aren't really cemented mm-hmm. on who everybody is. Like, go around, let's hear your characters again. We yep. need, you know, get it fresh. Yeah, I run into players who, even after playing their characters for, like, six or seven sessions, still need that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Okay, so as a player, 
what I think for me definitely helps, and I think this is a pretty solid advice, review your character and any of the rules from the game mm -hmm. that are specific to your character, your class, your role. Revisit the core mechanic for the game. If, if it's, you know, something that is more complex, especially, you know, if it's something that you've been doing forever, if it's D20 and it's, you know, role plus skill and, and sure. stuff like that, you're probably going to be okay with it. But if it's something that you hadn't been playing as much as that or, you know, something like give yourself that refresher so that you've got the pieces for the game ready to go in your mind again. Because if you hit the table and it's like, you don't remember, like, oh, wait, you know, like, uh, what is Cortex? How do we build the yeah, dice yeah. pool again? Like, what? How do I bring in another die if I need to bring in another? Like, if what, you, is, what is the plot point to again? Yeah. If you hit the table and you're running into those things, it's going to drag your session out. It's going mm -hmm. to slow things down. And when you are already kind of like, from not playing in a while, that can kind of extend that. If you come in and you know what you're doing, you know what you're supposed to do for your mechanics, you know how your character works, you're not stopping to look things up, you'll keep that flow going. And it'll help you get to the bits of the story that bring everybody up and get the excitement level going. And if the recap that the GM provides or whoever's doing the recap, if the recap doesn't answer all of the questions that you might have to refresh your memory about where you are in the game and what's going on, bring your own questions up. Ask. Ask the questions because somebody else might have the same question. They might be thinking the same thing. Or if you've got a player that's that's one of the, the quiet players that, right. that isn't going to ask that question, but they have it. You know, be the person that brings it up. Get the information flowing. Get get that, that shared vision of what's going on. Yep. Shared narrative space. Shared yep. narrative space, baby. I will say, having run a couple games now with clues, when you come out of the doldrums, I will go over all the clues again. Yep. Not only the clues, but if, and often because I, I will remember, I will synthesize for you what the clues mean because you guys had figured it out before, but you may not remember that you pieced some mm -hmm. things. Like, I will be like, Okay, this thing and this thing. Remember, guys, that meant that, you know, money was being laundered through these companies. Oh, right, right. Yes, well, yes. Especially like, if the clue came from the very last game session where the players may not have completely yes. put two and two together and gotten four. And yeah. you get to the table and you start explaining the clue and the players all think X and it turns out to be Y. That recap will, oh, oh, wait, we had that wrong. Or people just <clears throat> forget that X was picked up somewhere. Yep. Yep. And then when they get the next clue... It doesn't connect up how it's supposed to mm -hmm. because it's been dumped from RAM memory, right? Mm -hmm. Like they, it's not in their current headspace. And you have to just remind them. That's actually one of the things I love about the mirror board. Yeah, is that the mirror board really helps. I don't have to do a lot of work. I just have to put that up on the big screen and be like, "Hey, let's review the mirror board mm -hmm. real quick." Yeah, as part of our recap, and that works wonders for keeping all those pieces back in everybody's heads. Let's just wrap this all up. As we said before, the dual drones are an unavailable part of the gaming. This can be made worse as you get older and your responsibilities of life compound. Things like work, kids, family. They're going to add in things uh, and even get things now like COVID and other pandemics. Uh, you're bound to run into some scheduling. What's that? Other pandemics. Other pandemics. Just one. Just <clears throat> over Macho Grande, sir. I'm not ever going to be Monkeypox. Pseudomonas Reginosi. I'm just going to say Pseudomonas Reginosi and leave that out there for everybody. Look it up. So you're bound to run into some scheduling conflicts. When the doldrums hit, be mindful of your own emotional energy and the emotional energy of the people at the, play at the table. So find the activities that are going to keep your positive emotional energy flowing, and hopefully when the time comes to get back to the table, that excitement will still be there, but you got a plan for it. Any final thoughts on this topic before we close it? And, and if the excitement isn't actually there, hopefully you've got enough to help build it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Worst case, you get another game. Yeah. Or if you're playing Chris's game, you're done. See you later. <laughs> Chris will talk to you in six months when he has another game idea. Goodbye. <laughs> okay, bye-bye. <laughs> So if you're in Chris's game, fucking buck up camper, get excited. <laughs>
<laughs> you gotta hit the conversation corner. You gotta feel the flow. I would love to hit the conversation Circular. Corner. Circular. Time is a flat circle. <laughs> That's an Epic Gilmore. Right. Yes, I know. I was, and I went right <laughs> to go to uh, your home. Too good for your home. <laughs> I went right to Matthew McConaughey from um, the show where he was the investigator. Wolf. True Detective. True Detective. True Detective. Did see you. I was thinking of that. Right. So, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I see one thing here. Yes. I see Bob's thing. one thing. Did that I, happen? Yes, and that, I have, that's that's I have a that's one don't don't you weren't supposed to look happen? at that. Did that happen? Did Darn it! That's why I told it. That's why I told him not to bring it up. Bob's one thing is it's a not spoiler really a spoiler. It, it is a spoiler. It's not. It is a spoiler. It is the fact that it's happening the next episode. It's the most exciting thing that happened in the freaking show. No, it is. So far, I don't think it is. That's cool. I can't wait. Anyhow, I'm in a vague cast. I'm watching Rings of Power. They do a thing that is really cool that is kind of a, a foundational piece of the world that, you know, if you've seen the Lord of the Rings movies, there's stuff. And they they build on the... the they build the, on stuff. They build on stuff. With rocks. Some stuff happens. Some stuff happens. Stuff, happens. stuff and things. Yeah. And I wanted and rings. to, you know, you will see rings, something yes. very cool. You'll see something very cool. It's, it's like all of this, the, the Rings of Power, they're, they're building the pieces that are going to eventually mm-hmm. influence... Everything else I that happened it. in the stuff that uh, we already I, saw. I will raise my so. hand and say that I enjoy it. I think it's good. So. I'm enjoying the show. I, I, I'm very much enjoying the show. I don't um, have access to it's, it. It's an entertaining show, yeah. and uh, I look very much forward to seeing uh, the next episode and seeing how far, like how many seasons they're going to go, and whether or not they get to the conclusion that they originally played when they. I mean, I hope they do. They spend enough money. Your prime membership's going to go up if they have to go another season. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you never know. I, doesn't that company just like print money? Yeah, well, yeah. kind of. They spent like two percent of their like you know yeah. net worth on that show, which was one point two billion dollars or something. Something like that. It's ridiculous, but anyhow, I, I'm I'm very much excited about good. that show. It's an entertaining show, and, and that's all I'm going to say about it's got it. Good stuff, Jerry. <clears throat> uh, I'm doing another show where we talk about horror movies, and so I decided our next horror movie to review is Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Yeah. So I sat to review that movie. Coffee flavored horror, by the way. It's not uh, out yet. I've forgotten how much I enjoyed that movie, how good the special effects are. I mean, it is flat out a mo- a movie that was designed to be a cheesy movie. It's called Killer Clowns from Outer Space. You go into it expecting something, and they deliver on that. It's mostly wonderful. Yes. Excellent special effects for the time. <clears throat> a decent plot. Lots of creepiness. Not excessively gory. And when there is blood, it's done for comedy. But it's not slapstick Laugh a minute, kind of acid pies. Yeah, it's 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 not scary movie. It's it's everything is clown themed. Um, if you don't like clowns and you find them scary, don't avoid this movie. This is the arachnophobia of clown movies. Yeah. Um, but it's a lot of fun. Making a video game. Yeah, yeah. It's a, that video game looks really good. So I just I, I enjoyed it and seeing it again. I haven't seen it in, in years. I've seen it many many times. Um, this reminded me some of the things that were good. Everything from the the characterization, special effects, the the character actors that they got to be in this thing to do different stuff. It's all a lot of fun. So I had a good time watching a creepy but not necessarily scary movie uh, that I love. Chris? Uh, actually, Phil, why don't you go? Because I'm worried that mine will sprawl out all over the place. Uh, mine is D&D. I joined Chris's D&D game. <gasps> and I haven't played 5e since like the original box set came Ten out. Ten years ago. Yeah. So uh, I made my first D&D character. I like him. Uh, yeah, I... Uh, I had fun with it. Chris was so Chris did session zero, which was great. I love a good session zero, and mm-hmm. this was a good session zero. Yep. So uh, we went through that, and I knew I think two thirds of the players in the group. Yes. Yeah. So 
and that was fine. Everybody seems, you know, everybody seems totally cool. Plus, Drew's there, and I know Drew really well, so, like, um, and I know Lance a little. I don't think I know... You don't know Mickey. I don't think I know Mickey, but I'm gonna, but I will soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we made characters, and I decided, I had looked at a few options, and then listened to what everybody else was picking, and uh, since everybody else wanted to pick spellcasters, I was like, great, I will play a fighter. Very mm-hmm. straightforward. I like martial classes to begin with. Drew's a monk. Yeah. And I was like, I didn't think Barbarian fit for Spelljammer, because, you know, what is he going to do, like, run off the front of the boat, you know, in a, you know, rage-induced haze or whatever. And I was like, and Druid and Ranger didn't, like, I actually was looking at Ranger, and I know you would have made it work, but I was like, ah, we're going into wild space. Like, I don't know, like, Ranger, who's originally from another planet going into wild space, favorite enemy is going to be all weird and wonky. So I was like, forget it, I'll just do Fighter. This will be a fascinating experiment, because I'm running the adventure out of the book, but I'm modifying it heavily, and then I'm going to also give them two levels of adventures before they even go into wild space because that's the decision that they all made together. So I actually, I, so it was good. Everything was going so smoothly with the session zero that I actually was able to, on the other monitor, I was like actually making my character in Beyond and then making my mini in Hero uh, Forge because I was like, well, I wonder what this guy looks like because I couldn't settle on what weapon I wanted to be good at. So I just made a Dragonborn and then just kept sticking weapons in its hand. And then I got to like Maul and I was like, yes <laughs> mall is the way we're going nice here. so i like looked at the picture and i'm like good i got like i have an image of this character feeling good about it and then i realized a couple days later i picked the wrong martial background certainly did one because the rules in um the basic rules don't tell you the other two Cor- correct because i only have the basic rules are i don't actually own the player's handbook on D&D Beyond? Actually, you do, because somebody shared it with me. Oh, good. But but I had looked at that. I had just originally downloaded the basic rules, and it just gives you, like, champion. Like, the description for champion. It has the other two listed. So I was like, I don't know. Champion seems all right. But then... It's not. I was watching a, I was watching a YouTube video about making fighters and playing fighters, and they were going through the different options. And I was like, whoa, Battlemaster sounds yeah. way more fun. So I fun dice. So then I went and looked it up in the player's handbook. And I was like, nope, never mind. Yep. I went Battle into Master Beyond. Days. I'm like, fix that. Because then I picked, um, I picked maneuvers that I thought fit, fit with the mall. So he's like sweeping attack, right? Because he just... Mall is a nice underused weapon that you yes. don't hear a lot about. A lot of damage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he swings it around a big arc and hit somebody else. Uh, trip attack. That one I took for min-maxing purposes because I... The guys in the video told me that um, uh, prone characters you get advantage on. You do. So I was like, "Well, that might be helps, convenient." Helps yeah, that's second yeah. attack. Yeah, that might be convenient with action surge to you, knock somebody down and then hit them. But once you hit fifth level, you're second attack. It's very, very yep. exactly. Because then you can knock them down in action surge and hit them like three times while they're on the ground. Exactly. So I picked that one for that, and then the other one I picked was pushing attack because I was like, "We're going to be on boats in wild space," and at some point you get three. How much does how much push does pushing attack do? Fifteen. That's good because you can just with a normal attack push him five. Yeah, I mean, if you don't do damage, fifteen feet. Because my goal at some point in this game is I'm gonna knock some creature right off the side of the boat. Plus, just battlefield manipulation in and of itself. Yeah, sure. oh, I know moving pieces around the board. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice. So as soon as as soon as I read the mechanics for it, I was like, oh no no no! I like changed. I like ran into beyond. I'm like, no no, changing all this out. Like, so anyway, I'm feeling pretty good about it. I uh, like I said, I haven't played Neons. I probably should read some rules. I feel like it's you know mostly what I like most of it. Mm-hmm. I know. You roll like, a d20 at a, at a monster. <laughs> roll some, I gotta roll some dice. Yeah. I didn't ask you, are we doing, are we doing, um, are we doing online rolling, or can I use my, like, pretty your, dice? You need your pretty dice. Okay. I trust y'all. I made pretty dice, and so, like, now I'm, like... I don't like, think any are gonna cheat, so what does it matter? Yeah, no, I just, I made pretty dice, I kinda wanna roll them. So, anyway, but it was fun, and it was a nice, uh, it was a nice session zero, well organized. 
Um, you have a template. I have a template. So I like. I greatly appreciated that. Like there was something to work off of, and we had a good discussion about it, um, about how we wanted to get started, uh, which was good because you had you had two options. I did. And uh, I would have been fine. I was fine with actually the fast option, which was like let's go to Wild Space and just do flashbacks about how we got there. But everybody else wanted to do a couple levels on the planet. I was like, whatever. That's it's more fine. about giving you a reason to care about your planet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was just gonna. I mean. I just, if you told me I had to care about my planet, I was just going to, you know, yeah, but there's, acting. Yeah, there's <laughs> acting. The hook. There's, yeah. there's acting, but then there's also, like, actually caring about your planet. Yeah. Oh, so here's the one thing about the character. So the one thing I didn't want to do was be like, oh, I'm, like, you know, young so-and-so, you know, at third level coming up the ranks or whatever. So I decided to go the different route. This character was retired. He was a soldier for, like, ten years. He retired for ten years after he had a um, death experience where he was raised and it freaked him out from being raised from the dead. So he retires and becomes a blacksmith. And then he gets caught up on the boat and suddenly realizes, nope, adventuring is really the thing he wants to do. So he's third level, not because he doesn't know anything. He's third level because he's old and he's out of shape. And I thought that was just kind of a, like, a nod to um, Harriman from the second... Um, yeah, yeah, I got you. From the second Dragonlance. But like, he's not like a rookie. He knows stuff. From Time of the Twins. Right. He knows stuff. He won't know stuff when we get to space, but he knows fighting. He just can't like he's sore like a fight starts and he's like oh crap I mean, you know like has to get up there and like pick up the mall hang on my dodgy knees acting up. yeah exactly so yeah that's why he's third level and i was like all right i can get behind this kind of like i can get behind this character now all right chris what's your one thing uh let's talk about the one D release because there's a new play test document it's yeah. D. but with the legends of your it's D. never kissed a lady before what it's not really how that works, but not, not the least. So the new playtest document, uh, it has all the, all the spell lists for all the classes. It has the ranger, the rogue, and the bard, which are the expert classes. And the ranger and the bard got giant reworks. The ranger is the most uh, powerful damage output first level class in the game now. Interesting. Which is weird, but yeah. good. They're going to tone it down at some point. And to kind of clarify, what when Chris says expert classes... They decided to create groups. Yeah, you did. Yes, for will, all of the classes. Will, so now, okay. yeah, you have. So there uh, are four groups. There's yeah. the expert classes, which all of them. It's marked by the fact that all three of those classes have expertise. That's that's why they're called the expert sure. classes. Which expertise, for those who don't know, you double your proficiency modifier, which goes up as you level up, which is yep. a much better design choice. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, not that, but the f idea that a lot of powers are now tied to how what your proficiency modifier is like. I could do this a number of times equal to my proficiency modifier before I could take a shorter or long rest. Hmm. Much nice. better design choice standardizes a few things. Aside from the class design, there are some things that they put in the rules glossary that change everything, which I feel like the playtest doc that they released is backwards because the rules glossary is at the end and I'm reading through it. I'm like, I don't understand what some of these things are because they're in the rules glossary at the end. It's a 37 page document, by the way, for yeah. playtest documents. Huge, right? So like they changed some of the rules for jump. Like jump is now once again a, uh, a roll. Like you make a roll, but like you can jump five feet, but it's a difficult frame. Like I was like, that's weird. All right. The, that, that's like a minor thing. Sure. The biggest thing that they changed is the light weapon, uh, the light weapon rules. Like if you have a, a weapon that's considered a light weapon, mm -hmm. in the game, the way it's it's set up right now is you had to use your if you made an attack action, you could use your bonus action to attack with your offhand weapon. Mm -hmm. Now, if you have two light weapons in your hands, which now short swords are considered light weapons and not martial weapons anymore, so anybody can pretty much use them. You, if you take the attack action. You can just make an attack with your offhand weapon if it's a light. If you have two light weapons as part of the attack action, which means your bonus action is freed up to one make another attack if you want, or two do something else. 
So they did this for the design purpose of freeing up the bonus action for rogues and other characters that have mm-hmm. bonus actions. But it changes a lot about yeah. two-weapon fighting. Sure. Oh, yeah. A ton about two-weapon fighting. Two-weapon fighting is a much better thing. It's why the ranger thing is so much better now, besides the fact that the favorite enemy is Hunter's Mark, which gives you extra damage. But, mm-hmm. like, that one change right there, completely different. They also did a thing where, harkening back to encounter powers, and this is all playtest stuff still, right? Mm-hmm. Whenever you roll initiative, your power, some certain, certain abilities reset. Oh, that's neat. Because now that brings back the idea of the encounter power. So I think those are two pretty interesting, fascinating changes. They also did a rewrite to the bark skin um, spell, and I think, and I don't bring it up. I only bring it up for the design philosophy inside of it. the uh, The idea is that you get temporary hit points each round, equal to the spellcasting modifier and the proficiency bonus. And since temporary hit points don't stack, you are just over the course of the spell, which I believe is I can't remember if it's ten minutes or an hour or five minutes or a minute. You're going to get that temporary hit points at the beginning of each round, which in a game with bounded accuracy, hit points are king, as you guys know. Yeah. So, like, if I cast Barks... Equal to you, proficiency bonus plus the spellcasting modifier. Modifier? Yes. So, so, so if you have intelligence of 18 plus 4 and your proficiency modifier is 2 three, or 3, then you three. get 7 around. You get 7 every round. Ah, so if you take seven, so you yeah. take 4, next round you get 7 more again. Yeah, you back up to 7. You'll, yeah. you'll stack yeah. those 7 really, onto the 4. It's a really good... It's kind of like yeah. a regeneration thing. It, yeah. It's a bit regeneration, but you can't go over... The, you can't, like, stack temporary yeah, it's, points. And it's not stupid high, Correct. but, like... But like seven hit points, soaking seven hit points per turn is not a trivialist. I mean, at it's, lower levels, it's definitely not trivial. Flavor-wise, it feels good for bark skin. It yeah. does. It yeah. does. It but it's interesting. That design choice, yeah. that, uh, you're going to see that in other things. Like, yes. there's going to be other things that just give you... And there are some things in the game that already do that, but it was a nice design choice. The other one is that there is um, a ranger ability or ranger spell. I don't know if it was an ability or a spell. That you can um, like shoot a cone of arrows, essentially, like a thirty foot cone of arrows, but and it costs you a spell slot, but you can downcast it. So at third level, you get it's a third level spell, and it's like three d eight, but you can cast it with a second level spell slot for two d eight, or a first level spell slot for one d eight. Interesting. Which is I don't new. think I've ever heard There's of downcast. It's new. Before. It's a totally yeah. new mechanic. So that's another interesting design feature that they've invented for the game. Mm-hmm. I like the cone of arrows thing. That reminds me a little bit. And again, this goes from Merle's, you know all of his original experimentations in Iron Heroes. Yeah, yeah. But from some of the archer stuff, yeah. like, because there was a archer ability that gave you an area effect mm-hmm. archery attack, which, yeah. you know, against low hit point, um, like, mooks and stuff is a nice battlefield clearer. Yeah. But um, those those design choices, like, those, not not the specific examples that I'm talking about, yeah. but those ideas, yeah, that's yeah. Neat. those are good yeah. evolutions to the game. Small yeah. amount of rechargeable um, Hit points. Not that, it's, not that it's not already in there somewhere, but that's one of the more definitive yeah. versions that I've seen. Downcasting seems interesting, though. Downcasting yeah. is interesting. I like downcasting a lot because it makes certain things uh, better. As a spellcaster, sometimes you get to the point where your low-level spells aren't as useful anymore. Being yeah. a downcast high-level spells means you can have lesser effect with other spells. Sure, this fireball isn't yeah. going to be wildly dramatic, but I can still I can burn this second or first level slot to get yeah. one off. Yeah. Being a uh, being a fan of fourth edition D anD D, the the abilities recharging mm, with when you roll initiative yeah. that's fascinating to me. Like I'm like, oh, that's a. It never even occurred to me to do that. No, that's neat. And I yeah, mean, I loved uh, what's called. I loved encounter level powers mm-hmm. because the cool thing about encounter level powers were they encouraged you to use it. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. it was like. Because it, it's a commodity that um, when you need it next time is when it comes back next time. Yeah. Like when you have like things that either require rest or like um, in fourth edition, like the daily or mm-hmm. like with the daily, like you held on to that precious card and you were like, all right, where are we in the session? Yeah. Like, I don't want to cast this daily too early. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
but like now it's nine o'clock. Like I'm gonna drop this daily, yeah. right? Because I'm only gonna get it for today. But with that encounter power, yeah, man, that was like I'm gonna use it this fight. I'm gonna use it next fight. Like and just yeah. that's cool. The, the game was based the fourth edition was based around the encounter power for the most part. Like in a lot of ways, I like. I don't need it to be like pervasive through all the nope. classes and things like that. But there are some that would benefit from yeah, it. There's like, a bunch of stuff that would be very barbarian rage. Yeah, bardic bardic, man, bardic man, uh, music. I don't know if barbarian rage. Barbarian rage has never been a thing. Um, well, I- inspiration. In, the, ins- the the not inspiration mechanic, but the bardic inspiration. They actually fixed that in a way I think is pretty positive. Where it's like you can give it to somebody. It's not a. It's not give somebody a die anymore. It's a reaction. So I can when you take it when you make a test, I can react to give you my die to add to your test. Okay, that's cool. Also, at any point in time, I can just spend one to heal you. That's nice. As a, as an action, yeah, essentially. Yeah, it's uh, cool. or a bonus action. It's one of those two things. Yeah. Um, there, there's some very clever things coming out of this playtest. They're test. doing some cool stuff. The thing that I didn't like, the thing that I'm not super thrilled that they're doing, but I, I know why they're doing it, they're starting to codify some of the action types and things like that. Like, there's an interaction action now, which has some DCs in there for how to adjust people with the same... Like, remember that old third edition chart that had the reaction... Mm-hmm. Like the the interaction reactions and how like, people oh start you talk to this NPC and they hostile, react favorably or the, they're hostile the hostile nor uh, hostile indifferent or or yep. friendly is is in there again I'm like I I don't dislike that as a framework but I don't want hard and fast numbers because it, the the text in there is missing a thing yep. which is what is the, the the missing part of the text is what is the context of the situation and the leverage that the person is using to try yeah. to influence the yeah. person that they're It's almost to a case-by-case which, case basis which I think, is a better way to handle it. Which I think good GMs, good GMs will figure out, mm-hmm. but it, it would be helpful if the game actually helped you out. Well, yeah. uh, so if you, want a, if you want a pretty detailed and solid review, Jared Rasher from the Gnome Stew, mm-hmm. on, his, uh, on his personal blog, uh, what, what do, do I, I know? Dot com, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wrote a three-part review of the playtests thing which i read it all it's it's really good uh he mentioned that like once you start making that kind of stuff player facing it gets real sketchy because players expect to be able to do x without oh, having yeah. to put in effort if you put right? if you put hit points on god you can go kill god right so yeah. like <laughs> I, I i agreed with him to that point but i'm like all you need like it's just missing some text like what is your leverage what is the context yeah, yeah gm should be able to gm should be able to interpret the situation and and act accordingly whether Correct. it's whether it's um, based on situation, adjust the well. The sure, mood. GMs can. But if if I make that rule so that a player can see it and be like, "Oh, all I have to do is make a roll," then I need to put it in there to be like, "All right, player, you if you want make to make role. a roll, unless you." I mean, not that the rule is in there that you can't make a roll anyway, unless the game master, the dungeon master says right. it's okay. Like that's actually in the, in the game too. But people will be like, "I just want to adjust their thing with my my. Uh, I want to adjust their mood with my persuasion check." I'm like. Well, what's yeah, your, what are you doing? Yeah. yeah. So where's it in the text? Like you have to provide context and leverage. Yeah. And yeah. by leverage, I mean it could be just that you're friends. Well, and the, the other thing I would say that you have to take into account is when we get when you get to adventure design, it's going to wind up at some point saying this person's hostile. Exactly. Right. But but context wise, why? Why? Yeah. Right. And it might be like, look, this person's going to start hostile. Uh, but if any of the following conditions are met, you know, downshift it, whatever. Yeah, like, what is the leverage that you yeah. might use to do so? That's, that's yeah. the context, right? Yeah. Like, like, like what a, did I bring X, Y, or Z? Did you have something to say, Jerry? You look like no. you're thinking. No. I, I like the... So I understand the pitfall you're talking about. I like the idea that for, again, players who are not super savvy or suave or whatever, that there is a mechanical um, way to say, like, hey, can we win this guy over? Mm-hmm. Yes, but it always... But, you know, and again, this is the... Um, 
this is the indie player in me, right? Like, we need some narration around this. Like, yeah. tell me in third person, like, oh, yeah, like, I start complimenting him on his, like, you know, martial prowess. Like, mm-hmm. and, you know, what a and fierce that's, fighter. That's like, your attempt at getting leverage. Yeah, yeah, and then it'd be like, cool, all right. Um, and creating context around the situation. Yeah, yep. and it might be, as a GM, I might be like, well, he started hostile, but since you're kissing his ass about how, like, what a great warrior is, he's actually kind of indifferent. Like, yes, that's, or, that's, or okay. I'm going to lower this DC, like, you're going to get a chance to or, move down. Or at least it lets you give you the, give you the actual, like, leverage the to, make to make the, the roll. Well, that's yeah. the basis, right? So like, at the basis, you got to make the roll. That's what I'm thinking. In the past, that's where I would just give them advantage. Mm-hmm. That's, mm-hmm. That seems to be... Well, that's I'm, a, I'm, not, I'm not saying this is a bad idea. One of the things I liked about 5th edition was that they got rid of a lot of the modifiers, and it was either you know, advantage or disadvantage. And it was easy enough for the GM to just say, you know what, you have advantage with that. Yeah, you know, oh, you I, think nice I think that's a nice way to deal with yeah, it. I don't you don't have to worry about away. Good. Yeah. Good because I like the fact that you can there's, do. There's no modifier. It's just about their initial state of like yeah. being as far as how oh, they, I they're reacting to you. I thought it was the roll that uh, that's. I haven't seen this this document yet. Yeah. I thought it was the old. You roll the the dice, and if you roll this, they they're hostile. If you roll no, this, they're okay. No, that it's, makes a it's more like you decide if they're what they are when they roll up. Got but it. That'll, that'll, but there's also some like example DCs for how to shift their shift their their mood. Yeah. That you would have to hit, which that's when you start getting into that player facing thing. Like, if I'm a player, I think I know that I should be able to just make this check to adjust their mood without any context around it. Yeah. Which is where we start getting into what I thought was a pretty huge problem with the third edition design. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the nice thing is in adventure design, you can say something like in a paragraph in an encounter, like, this creature starts hostile, but if you have any proof that you cleared the bugbears, which has been bothering this guy. Um, oh, then, then you yeah. start them off at indifferent or friendly or what you know, sure, like yeah. you know, and that way when the players come in and they're like carrying a bugbear head or something, and he's like, "Whoa, whoa, what? Did you take care of them? Yeah, oh, come in, come in, yeah. like, yeah." It gives, you a nice hook. Show. Yeah. it gives you a nice hook for um, less experienced GM DMs, right? It gives mm-hmm. a nice hook to understand like how context of the game could shift yeah. mood or something. Mm-hmm. Context so, is king. So a lot was good. A lot, I liked a lot of it. I'm leery of some of it. Uh, there's some stuff that's still messed up, and they'll fix it. Yeah, it's it's month two. I mean, it's yeah. playtest. Yeah, yeah. Also, yeah, it's going to change play test, multiple play times before it's over. <laughs> yeah. Also, if you want to like get the inside scoop of why they're doing the things that they're doing, Jeremy Crawford is doing videos talking about his design yep. ideas and philosophy, mm-hmm. which are really useful. And the last thing I'll say about this, and then we'll move on, is that um, one of the things that he said is that they're trying things out. Mm-hmm. So when the first playtest document came out for 1D&D, this is a good point they right changed here. their um, critical hit mechanics. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember the exact details, but they changed them. And then for this new document that just came out, they changed, it back. They changed them back. Apparently so, people didn't like it. It's no, not, it's not that. It's not that's that they not didn't that. like it. It's that they, they're trying some different things. They didn't have nearly enough time to... Uh, they, Crawford said that they didn't have nearly enough time to go through all the data because 50,000 people filled out the, 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 survey. the survey. They're giving lots of responses. Yes. Yeah. And they're like, they flipped it back based on their own internal play testing and the thing that they wanted to try next. So yeah. anything that's feedback won't actually hit a play test document probably until the next release. Yeah. That's cool. I like that. So that's the thing. All right. Let's do the uh, Patreon, Patreon shout outs and, and uh, roll this thing out of here. So very, very big thanks to James Aitken, Noah Vaughn, Alice Kira, Austin Lemke, Chris Mead, Craig Duffy, Dan Simons, David Walker, Drew Smith, Secret Weapon of the Show, Woo. and our very own Glenn Seiler. Yeah, mm-hmm. 
And thanks to everyone for listening today. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you can get more content through our YouTube channel. Or anywhere that you're listening to podcasts. Sure, sure. Uh, Hit up YouTube.com slash MisdirectedMark, where we release videos every now and then. Every now and then. uh, Along with other content on our Patreon. You can also listen to some other shows on the Misdirected Mark Network, such as They're a Super Geek, Mastery Dungeons, Bonesome Obsidian, Tennis Talking Games, The Gnomecast, Bonus Experience, and the all-new Backup with Advantage. And you can also listen to the excellent back episodes of She's a Super Geek. They still exist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're still awesome. You can and should also check out our sibling podcast, Tabletop Bellhop, The Knights of the Night, and the all-new GM Mastermind. Hey, just before your game starts back up, leave us some feedback. You can reach us directly using the old email systems, mmp at aol.com. Do we still have our AOL no, account? No. no. Uh, All right, use never, our mystery, MMP at MrMark.com. Wait, 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 we never, never had an AOL account. <laughs> never. I did. No, um, no, no, Mr. Mark never had one. <laughs> that's, that's, that's weird. <laughs> Hit us up on the Twitters. The show and the network is at Mark. That one over there, Robert M. Everson, GM Gerrymander, The Light 101. Another thing. If you know what AOL is, you're probably old. Yes. <laughs> Go get your shingles. And he's a DNA fill. Thanks. Yes. Hey, you remember that Patreon we mentioned earlier? I do. If you want to support us and other shows from Misdirected Mark Productions, you can do that at patreon.com slash MMP. Thank you to those two new patrons that I can't remember who your name is. Hey, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Their patronage and yours will get you access to the After Show podcast, our show notes, the Bamboo Lounge podcast, and other special releases when they come around. Yes, which, well, we'll talk about some of that stuff soon. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, this has been a Misdirected Mark production, which is the media arm, media arm of Encoded Designs. Uh, the media arm is right here. It's a, a mechanical arm in some way, yes. shape, or form. I would say mic drop. We out!